you tell your team or you just come in and hoorah and make them feel good for the day? I think you you got to do both as a leader, but you got I think you expose them, but tell them, but then also have a plan. Here's here's what's going to happen, guys. But here's my plan. You know, I, 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 I want to do this. I want to do this. And I want to make sure it's not impacting you and your income. But I, this is what I need in return so we can both work together as a team. Don't wait around for the up bus. Get in the driver's seat and take control of your operations. Are you ready to increase profitability, have better processes, and get proactive with your operations? Welcome to the Up Boss Podcast. Here's your hosts, Jason Harris and Jason Rice. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here along with Jason Rice. That's right, you get double Jason today. Thanks for joining you us. You know what on- I'm doing? <laughs> I'm hitchhiking. I'm waiting for another ride on the Up Bus. Are you waiting for the up bus? Come trying on. To hitchhike. Who's, who's waiting for that up bus? Need you know, another ride. <laughs> that is right. If you are watching and listening, thank you so much for taking uh, taking the time to join us on another episode of the up bus, where we get to talk about anything and everything we want to talk about when it comes to the up bus and everything has to do it. Now, today's topics, man, we got some fun topics, Jason. I'm super excited to get into a, uh, today's topics because we've talked about leadership a handful of times on our podcast which i think is great by the way i honestly we've got some amazing comments you know and replies to some of the podcasts we've already started to put out and you know i really think people are seeing you know the value and the benefit of the time that we're spending and putting this together and you know we've talked we've touched on leadership a few times but i think today's topic just takes it one step farther and it's leadership in times of change yes and a lot of change going on right so you know ton of change what would you know what let's start there because you know me i like finding rabbit holes what would you say like one of the biggest changes you think you've seen this year i mean i know we've gone through a lot but like what would you say one of the biggest changes that you've seen this year i mean mm, well obviously i guess headlines would be the the strike right and then that, that that put fear into dealers of another shortage and um that i don't think it was funny. I, I would have thought that headline, uh, the strike, us paying attention to it because we knew we're in the industry, but it almost seemed like no one else cared. I mean, it's kind of like the actor strike. Who knows? Like, who cares? But no one, no one really cared. But we thought it would. Everybody like, oh crap, shortage of cars. It could be like the fear of missing out during COVID. Let's go buy a car because there's no cars and just buy what we can and overpay for it. And but no one paid it. To, but so if the consumers would have paid attention to the strike and and they had the ability to buy without high interest rates and inflation. Um, so I think that was toward the second half of the year was kind of one of those curveball surprises. Um, I guess if you're familiar with their contracts, maybe it wasn't a surprise coming out of the woodworks, but it's about every four years, it's like the Olympics. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, every, every four or so years, this is when I kind of expect this to pop up again. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, prior to that, I think it's just kind of the, the, it's not that the bubble burst it. It was just a slow deflate. You know, this yeah. all year just kind of slow deflate in the market to where it hasn't been too painful, but it hasn't been fun. And so, um, and I think all of a sudden, I think the, <laughs> if nothing would have changed, I think the bubble would have burst it January, February, but because we're in just such a slow deflation all year, there's nothing left to pop. It's going to be like, okay, <laughs> this, is it all out? It's got to be like my kids trying to squeeze out the helium in the balloon, just trying to get that last squeeze for the, the funny voice. Yeah, that's that's kind of the surprise. This has been a slow just 
I uh, I was just at a conference recently where there was a lot of uh, data, you know, getting pushed around, right? So I mean, some of the things I thought was really kind of interesting from a from a change perspective is just like, you know what? Like a lot of things have changed from when I sold used cars to what a used car salesperson has to go through today is like entirely different. Like, you know, like I was thinking to myself, like, could I effectively actually sell a pre-owned Tesla? Could I? I don't know if I could. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, let, let me walk you through like the 96 pages and I'll teach you how the car can fart. Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> you know I mean? like it's not when I was used car managers, like here's the keys, there's the car, there's the odometer. You see the miles. Okay. Yeah. Regular or premium. It takes regular. You know what I mean? Like these were the kind of like challenges. And now I'm looking at right now, you know, I know we're going to talk today about leadership challenges, but you know, I was seeing a stat recently because we are going to talk a little bit about EVs is that, you know, by 20, they're projecting by 2030 that, you know, EVs and ICE vehicles are almost going to be at par with each other as far as how many vehicles on the road. I know I it, sounds, it sounds aggressive. I know a lot of people don't out there do it, but even if I think we get even remotely close to it. I know there was, uh, I think there was a major metropolitan, I think it was San Francisco. San Francisco has, is the only currently major um, uh, populated area that has now uh, risen where there's more EVs than there is ICE vehicles registered in the greater San Francisco area. I was like, wow. So, so I'm like this, I guess this is happening. It's a thing, right? But I mean, not only the changes in the technologies, but the changes in the vehicles, but also the changes in the customer itself. So here, let's let's get into some into some of these changes. Um, let's talk well, about that. Would be another yeah deflate oh going back God. into the EV, the EV market. Just seemed yeah. like it it just hit a wall. Boom! Right. We were just talking about that. Maybe I'm getting ahead of this conversation, but we're just at the uh, at, at Used Car Week and. Um, you know, they're talking about Ford store talking about how uh, Ford's trying to shove all these Machis down their throat and how he already, already has 70 on his lot. He don't know what he's going to do with them. And I said, you know, I think it's slowed down because enough people got EVs that enough people talk to people with EVs. And, and it came to realization. This isn't as fun as you think, you know, the rumor mill basically. Yeah, uh -huh. I had one. I had a lot of range anxiety or it ran out and I got stuck and it did and this and the that's that it, it, it puts enough question marks and people's decision to do it or not so i think that's what's really happening is people enough people know somebody who knows somebody that has them and you know my my cousin has one and he complains about it or my sister has one and they love it you know i think there's enough back channel talking that people are just kind of talking themselves out of it you know what it's so funny that you, no it's it's great that you say that and because you know i've heard that and then you know of course then you hear competing stuff right like we're you know, uh, Tesla's retention, you know, levels is at the highest retention of any other brand in the automotive manufacturing right now. I think re like Tesla's retention is 77%, meaning that, you know, the second purchase that a Tesla owner makes is another Tesla, 77% retention. Like, can you imagine? I thought it was half. I thought it was opposite. I thought it was only like 30%, but it's 70%. It's, so that was the current stat that was being thrown around out there. It was over 70% retention in, in, in that market. But so, so like, I think it's very, look, here's the bottom line, regardless how you stand, like on which side of the fence, yeah. you know, of it, be there. yeah. It, it, it's the the customer is the one getting hit with this. So it's like from a change perspective, how do we get ready, you know, for some of these changes? We already kind of started a little bit on navigating industry shifts, mm -hmm. you know, because you already talked about the UAW, um, you know, strikes. And, you know, it's like, how do you navigate shifts in inventory levels? 
Um, how do you navigate, you know, shifts in EVs and inventory? Like you have some, some dealerships have no EVs, some that have 150 sitting on their lot. Right. You know, I had some, I have a four dealership. You know, it's funny. I, I work with a bunch of Ford dealerships. I have one Ford dealership saying, if I get a Ford Lightning, I'm going to sell it like this. And then I got another guy saying, I got 60 of them on my lot. Do you want one? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so, so, so let, let's start. Here's going to be my question. My first question then for you is, you know, let's kind of talk about, you know, navigating some of those industry changes and from a leadership's perspective, how, what we can do to prep our team for just how fast things are changing right now from the industry perspective. Uh, on the EV world? Let's start with EVs. Right? Yeah, like let's start with EVs. 100%. That's a great industry uh, change. Well, yeah, obviously it depends on the market and the region and the dealership's commitment to it. It almost seems like certified program or leasing programs. It's like either you're in or you're out. And if you're going to be in the game, then yeah, your team needs to um, – learn and educate themselves on all makes models, I would definitely be buying some and maybe let your deal, you know, your sales staff demo those for a day or two, you know, drive it home and, and just experience, you know, owning or driving one. I, you know, I know a couple of dealers that, you know, ride time Doug up in uh, Canada, he, and he moved down to Louisiana, but he's driven, you know, he's driven an EV up mm -hmm. there and back from Canada down to and he's documented it. And all I didn't know he. I didn't know he moved to Louisiana. That's totally new news to me. <laughs> like yeah. So and he's done. Go to YouTube. He's done that that trial videotape as he stops, as he's charging, the headaches, the the mapping out that he had to do to have this to drive it that far. Yeah. Um, which well, my point is that's good because now he can sell it, right? Yes. Or not. He like, can sell the benefits and the and the not. So I think it'd be good to obviously educate your team as much as you know, letting them have it for a day or two, letting them experience it and understanding the, the, the ins and outs to allow them to sell it. Because I was always taught if, you know, drive what you sell, you know, when I no, sold look, Fords, I drove a Ford. Um, it, it, it's a great strategy. I mean, and, and the funny thing is, it's not just EVs. I mean, vehicles are becoming more and more like iPads than they are becoming more like cars, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, um, I had a buddy of mine recently pull up in a, uh, a Jeep, grand wagoneer holy ipads like there's an ipad there's like six ipads in the entire car i mean there's like there's one for the console there's yeah. one for the passenger there's two for the back passengers like I well, mean, now that i think about it what you said about the 70 percent retention um and being like an ipad if i've never owned an ipad i'd probably want to go to the apple store sit down with somebody buy it, let them, me educate me, kind of train me on it, go home. But guess what? When I want another iPad, I can probably just go to Target and buy it without having to do all that, right? Or buy it online and have it shipped. Yep. And um, so to your point, that's probably why they retention because they, you know, do we need dealers was another thing. That's a big shift and mm -hmm. sell directly to the consumer. So if I buy a Tesla and then also I'm uncomfortable, I'm comfortable with Tesla's do I want to have to go to the Ford and experience theirs and relearn their car and then buy a Ford? Or do I just buy another Tesla? And because then I don't have to, I can just buy it online, order it and not worry about leaving my house. Right. So maybe that's the benefit of the retention rate. Um, but yeah, again, they're, that because they are, uh, I thought about if you're going to hire some staff for that, might as well go to the Apple store and try to hire some of their salespeople to sell these electric cars. Cause they're about the same. Well, you know uh, what? It's funny. I mean, I remember a point in time, uh, 
I had a dealership I was a general manager of. I was running in the dealership, right? And the best spot, no, it was a Circuit City. Do you remember Circuit City? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe that was a was that was that in your your part of the country as well? Or was oh actually, yeah yeah. And do you know what they turned into? I learned. What what did they turn into? Carmax. Oh crap! That's right. Yeah, because they knew the financing arm of it, and they're like, "Well, we can do financing in cars," and they turn. Oh my gosh! The Carmax. Yeah. Anyways, keep going. I, I remember when when Circuit City went out of business. You know what did we do? We went and hired a bunch of Circuit City people to come sell cars, and yeah. they were amazing product people. And I think you know, I think that's what we're going to talk about: navigating industry shifts. Is you know, is not just the shift in in inventory availability, but just inventory technology. Like, I mean, if you like, I'm like, if you got a pre-owned Escalade, like, I'm dude, just just open up an Escalade or even a top of the line F one fifty right now. Like, I mean, you got to know these cars to sell them, mm-hmm. you know, it's not as easy as it was. Like, I, I gotta be honest with you. I think I had it. I feel like I had it really easy when I sold used cars. Yeah. Like, I mean, half the cars I sold didn't have Bluetooth. That was yeah. a pretty rare thing for it to have Bluetooth. All you had to learn is how to reset the clock and how to preset the AM FM stations. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's about it. Now you got to figure out how to blue, how to connect everything, get their contacts in, how to do the voice stuff, how to yeah. Well, and I, and I think from a leadership perspective, that w- we have to be proactive in that, right? Um, so speaking of leadership, I want to kind of go into our next top right is you know effective change management. You know, I want to kind of dive into you know some of the aspects of, of effective leadership. You know, I think we've like I said, we've talked about leadership in the past here, but I think there's 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 some best practices, all right, to be able to effectively get the best out of your team. So I think that's where I want to go. I would love to kind of get your thoughts and opinions from a leadership's perspective. What can we do to get the most out of our team? I think if you're preparing for change, a lot of it's going to be the you know market change and stuff too. Meaning, shopper if it's going to be slow, you're preparing your team for it. But you know, we belong to this. Um, I do this Friday morning all things used car clubhouse thing, and there's always an economic report at the beginning, and then there's always at the end of that, hey, we create our own economy at our dealership. So if you're bringing nothing but bad news to your team, they're going to be. But part of me is like, no, you got to help. It's just like back in the day when you try to keep every well, probably a lot of dealers still keep all the information, make them dumb. They don't get any information. You got to come to the desk. You know, you don't get to see invoice. You don't get to see costs. You don't get to see. And but, you know, that to me is wrong. Right. I, I want to be able to uh, liberate or my people to be able to make decisions and talk to customers. That's who customers want to know. They have somebody that knows what they're talking about and can help them make decisions without having to keep going back to the desk. So customers like, can I just talk to your manager? You know, mm. um, and so. Again, I wouldn't hide that market. You know, if I'm going, I'm looking at trends going, man, shop ground is probably going to be down 20% next month and wholesale is probably going to drop off the cliff. And I'm going, okay, do you tell your team or you just come in and hoorah and make them feel good for the day? I think you, you got to do both as a leader, but you got, I think you expose them, but tell them, but then also have a plan. Here's, here's what's going to happen guys, but here's my plan. You know, I'm, I, I want to do this. I want to do this. And I want to make sure it's not impacting you and your income. But I, this is what I need in return. So we can both work together as a team. You might have to work a little bit extra hours, but we might need this or because I can go out and hire somebody because it's going to be short. If we're going to have short in traffic. Do I, you know, do I go hire more people and you, you get or do we, you know, get more out of each other? And, and so pre- prepare them. But no, you got to let them know you have a plan. 
prepare them and then let them know again, again, exactly where you're at and where you're headed instead of just kind of keeping it behind closed doors. I tell you what, when I, when I worked at daylight shifts, when there's closed door conversations happening, GM and dealers back, I'm like, Oh, something's going down, going down. Right. And two days later, somebody gets fired. This happens. And you know, you're like, man, or the dealership sold in my example. And um, you know, why hide that? It just puts sense of fear and things like that. I mean, selling your dealerships one thing, but I mean, when you're trying to prepare, you're as a manager, that's your job as a leader to know what's around the corner. So if you're preparing to know it's going to be slow and you don't want to hire new people or cutting back advertising, you know, don't just hide that from the people and they go, well, we're slow. Well, no wonder he's not, you know, Bob, let's just say, here's guys, here's what we're doing. We're going to cut here, mm-hmm. but I'm going to hopefully circle that around. Would you like, I'm, I'm going to cancel here. But guess what? That'll free up some money. I can give you some spiffs to help encourage you, you know, to get you guys to get focused on moving the inventory. And here's the plan. I need you guys. Here's how we can make it up. It's free to do social media. I need you to post some cars, anything that you post and you sell. I'll give you a spiff and I'd rather spend money on you than them. You know, if you're going to do that kind of stuff, at least set the stage for them to not be be caught blindsided by it. Well, that look that the bottom line is that empowers them. Right. That, yeah. that feels like they actually have some power. And, you know, it's funny. You said something and you, you know me. I love finding rabbit holes. Right. And you mentioned like, you know, let me talk to my let me talk to your manager. You know, I'm just I don't know about you, but like when I started in this industry, that was the process. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was the process. Right. There was me, the salesperson. There was Joe and he was the closer, the floor manager. Right. And then there was. Then, then there was the the head office, right? Then there was the general sales manager, right? And but the process was designed so that you had to go through these three people. You know what I mean? Like, like I honestly, I mean, as a salesperson, you know, when I first started, I, I felt very deflated, you know, because like, you know, I know that my ability, my empowerment was only yay big, right? And yeah. then I know the empowerment of my sales floor manager was about yay big. And then I know if the GSM had to get involved, it was about yay big. Mm-hmm. And very seldom did it ever have to, it never went ever farther than that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it never went any farther than that. But I'm just seeing it like, I want to get your thoughts because I think people are going to argue with me on this one. And that's okay. I'm totally down with this. You know, do we maintain that, that, that hierarchy, right? As far as like processes go, or, or let's, you know, let's talk like sales process, you know, or do we in, empower the staff to be able to make the decisions where they don't have to like, so the customer doesn't have to make the comment. Can I talk to your manager? Yeah. Well, I learned this in at least 03, 04, 05, 2003, 2004, 2005. I'm, I actually bought an internet at Pontiac Buick GMC store. Meaning I was selling cars off the internet. And what I did back then is pretty much still even unheard of. And I got screenshots of it because I have a PowerPoint that I did when I went to digital dealer and did a session about it. And you could see the new cars were 2005s was I had invoice price on my website. Mm-hmm. I had MSRP and invoice and the window sticker. And I did that because uh, two reasons. One, uh, customers would say, hey, I'd say, hey, you get a thousand over invoice. This is the invoice. They'd argue that's not the right invoice. And they didn't know about advertising dollars and everything else. So I had to explain it. So I'm like, here, I'm just going to put it on my site. And then we can argue there. Second thing was it empowered my internet people to not have to go to the desk. They knew, okay, Grand Prix's were at 500 over at uh, Grand Am's or Invoice. Uh, Denali's are two grand over Invoice. And so they could talk to a customer empowered. They don't have to, well, let me go check with the manager. And so I could close more deals because the customer 
knew what I was talking about. Now, anything past that, they had to go to the desk to, to try to get the customer to the door. Uh, but that allowed me to, again, give them the information, give them the, but within reason, right? Because then again, if it goes past that, if the customer wanted, instead of two grand off MSR, uh, over invoice on a Denali, he wanted a thousand or add invoice, well, we had to go to the desk and where they want it a thousand over on a dealer trade, you know, and that's so, but it also allowed, I would say the customer, I wouldn't say the customer empowered, but the customer more comfortable. Um, anyways, that, that's where I think, um, yes, you want to set up your team to give them the information to sure. empower them. Uh, because here sales come with com- from confidence, right? You, yeah. you read a salesperson that's confident in a product knowledge, confident in what they can and can't do. You take them for the words and done, and you can't have much confidence if you're sitting in the dark. No, hundred percent. And let's actually kind of talk a little bit more into kind of confidence. Um, because I think, you know, for me, you know, when I started in the industry, a lot of my confidence came from just my knowledge for automotive, but you know what? I was a car guy. Like I, I grew up, like my dad was a car guy. I was a car guy. I remember playing this game as a kid, you know, when we drive like on a dark road, when it was just around dusk and it's like, he would see a set of headlights coming our way. And, you know, I would, it, it I would try to name the car before it got to us. You know what I mean? And yeah, like, yeah. you know, and, and the farther away I got, I'm like, oh, that's, that, that's an Impala or uh, no, that's a Cutlass, you know, like, I mean, I'm just, you know, like, I'd be able to name that off, but I mean, but I was a car guy, but, I don't necessarily think that's the, that that's the case anymore. I think confidence now actually comes a lot from the tools that we are able to use, right? Like, look, you know, a, a technician's only as good as the tools that he has in his hands. And, you know, I'm looking at kind of our used car, our used car business, and it's the same thing. Like, we're only as good as yeah. the tools that we kind of have with it. So, you know, I think of this kind of like digitization of that kind of like pre-owned customer experience. Look, it's not what it was. Like, I mean, I remember having imprints in, in, I don't know about this out. I'm dating <laughs> You know what I'm saying though, don't you? Like I remember yeah. having imprints in my back pocket from having that black book sit back there, you know, but so things, yeah. so, so let's talk a little bit about that. How do we kind of navigate, uh, what are your thoughts on the digitization of just kind of that pre-owned customer experience? You mean like digital retailing can do in the front well, and back? I mean, it's even all the way down from a trade appraisal. You don't you don't pull out that black book. Now people are they got iPads and apps yeah. that scan the car and determine they got companies that give them a free one without having to go through a bunch of hoops. Yeah. So I mean it's just you know, having all of these kind of tools at it, I call it kind of like the you know, the stew of what we have to be able to effectively, you know, provide a great experience. You know, um, I think you need to do it if not someone else would. Again, going back to my invoicing and my pricing and stuff, people were like, well, why would you do that? All they're going to do is take your number and go somewhere else. And I got validated by that. We had a, I did a dealer trade uh, with a with a dealership, whatever, 15 minutes away. I pull up and I and somebody immediately greeted me. They said, hey, can I help you? I said, I'm here in a dealer trade. They looked at me and go, are you Jason Rice? I'm like, mm, yeah. How do you know that? He goes, oh, I get your emails in here all the time because I have my photo on my emails. Because again, the customer take my numbers and give it to them. But you know what? I said, fine. Because more likely you're only closing 30 or 40% of the deals you're getting anyway. So I got a 60 to 70% chance they're not earning their business. So whoever, you know, so if they lose the opportunity, guess who they're coming to was me, right? right? So I always wanted to be the, I want to say industry leader. I wanted to be ahead of everybody else. Or if I'm not, I got to be doing at least what everybody else is doing. So um, 
you know, if Carvana, if, you know, a dealer down the streets offering trade appraisals without any hassle, they're going to probably go to that company. And if not, they'll come to you and try to see if you can match the deal. And if they don't, because here's the other thing, it's not just the deal. They also ran the risk of, did they like the salesperson? Did they like the facility? Was the car what it was? Did the finance work out? You know, did they like their trade in? One of those things are going to go wrong. And when I do come to me. So I think, yes, you got to do the, if a customer wants to finish stuff online, have the ability for customers to do that. If a customer wants to finance online, have the ability. If they want a trade appraisal, they want a sale price and a trade appraisal without coming in the door. I think it is that most people want to get a lot of it done uh, in between, right? I can be yeah. working and the finance guy from the dealership sends me the paperwork. I stop my work. I look at it. I sign a few things. I get back to work. And then knowing that on my way home, I'm going to stop by and, and take delivery of the vehicle. So, um yeah, I think, again, either be ahead of the market. If no one's doing it, do it. Exactly. Or more likely, there's going to be people in your market doing it. Just do it better. Well, and to your point, look, the tool is only as good as the people that's behind it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you had serious commitment to that customer experience and you, you you had that mindset. You were just you had a customer centric mindset. So no matter what the tool you were going to use, that mindset was going to come out in it. Look, guys, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our conversation. In fact, it is the tail end of our conversation. God, this yeah. time goes so fast. It's because we have so much fun jamming with each other. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah for everyone out there watching, listening, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today on another episode of the up bus now please if you've enjoyed this content and you want to see more content or listen to more content check out the upbus.com all right we'll be posting some new and exciting stuff and speaking of new and exciting stuff here we here in a couple episodes man we got some really exciting news that we are very excited but i'm just gonna tease it out there i'll leave it at that jason thank you so much for your time today man this has been a lot of fun thanks for picking me up hitchhiking and thanks for the ride it was smooth it was all right see you later Thanks for tuning in to the Up Bus Podcast with your hosts, Jason Harris and Jason Rice. To stay up to date with all our content, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.